other money minutes. The stock market wipes out all its coronavirus losses and roars back to life as zero interest rates and COVID vaccines excite investors. Best conditions in 10 years. That's the way Chris Stott, our guest on this episode of the Money Minutes, describes the current stock market. Now, look, it's a big call, but the results of the coronavirus vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca Oxford University all show highly promising results. The world can now see a way forward from this damn pandemic that's killed more than 1.4 million people. And look, the science, it's quite amazing. Never has the world discovered a vaccine for a coronavirus ever. But in the space of 10 months, it now has at least three candidates in the Western world that have more than a 90% effectiveness. But the global economies have taken a hit. Now, with those vaccines, investors are looking through the sustained outbreaks that are now in Europe and the United States, and they're looking to a world back to some semblance of normal. And as governments have tried to help their economies survive, interest rates have been cut to zero. Trillions of dollars have been borrowed and spent in the developed world to stave off economic ruin for business and for families. The result is that as these vaccines come into our communities, the central banks and governments have both opened the throttle to maximum. Yes, there is a consequence. Future generations may sustain lower living standards or even higher taxes in order to get these government debts back under control. It could be that the vast amount of spending sees eventually an inflation outbreak and that could lead to higher interest rates or even extreme market volatility for equities and for property. And yes, it is right to be concerned about those debts. Even with record low interest rates, the debt is something that has to be dealt with by future governments. It's not something to take for granted. But for investors right now, those risks are way into the future. With Australia's Reserve Bank promising not to raise interest rates for three years, investors are increasingly prepared to take on debt for property and to take on the risks in equities to chase higher yields. Look, the only word of warning from me is to be nimble if you're investing, especially if you're chasing yield. The world has a strange way of turning on you when everybody thinks broadly the same way. There will be more shocks in the future. It is the fleet of foot who always survive best. So let's bring in here Chris Dott, the founder and chief investment officer of 1851 Capital, whose opinion I've long respected. Many thanks for your time, Chris. Thanks, Ross. All right, let's go to the stock market. And you see it, you know, going through 30,000 on the Dow Jones. You've seen all of the losses from the coronavirus recouped here in Australia as though there is no economic damage long-term coming. Just explain to somebody who can't quite fathom why the stock market has done what it has done, exactly why it is where it is now. Sure. So we're the most bullish we've been on the market in 10 years. And then the backdrop is as good as we've seen um, you know, in, in well over a decade, really, since the GFC. And that might sound strange to some people, but I'll take you through it. So firstly, we've got the RBA have told us that interest rates will be at zero for at least three years, which is very, very positive for the equity market. Very uh, good for the economy, obviously. Um, the last few weeks in particular, a few other things have gone the equity market's way. Joe Biden won the election uh, in the US with the two Georgia runoff seats uh, to determine the control of the Senate. But it's going to be hard for him either way to pass legislation, so you won't be able to put company tax rates back up, which this US market was very fearful of in particular. Um, we've also got three vaccines now, so the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, Pfizer, and Moderna ones. So we should be in a position where we're sitting here in late 2021 calendar year, 
and the majority of the Australian population would have received the COVID-19 vaccination. So the importance of that is is that it allows us to draw in a, sand, a line in the sand from an investment standpoint and say, well, that's when things should be returning to some sort of normal. Okay, so as I've explained it, the, the throttle is wide open on the Australian economy right now. You've got uh, the government continuing to flood uh, hundreds of billions of dollars into the economy. Uh, you've got uh, people who have been on job seeker and job keeper, basically that has prevented, they're now saying, maybe half a million Australian households from losing their homes or going to housing stress. Uh, but these these levers are now still open. They're not being closed by the government or the Reserve Bank anytime soon. Some will come to an end, but is there a day of reckoning for the amount of debt that's being racked up inside the Australian and indeed the global economies? Oh, look, no doubt about it, Ross, and that's a, a long time away, and there's no doubt that um, you know this enormous debt pile we're going to be repaying off for perhaps many decades to come, and that will come in the form of higher taxes eventually. Um, but I think in terms of the central bank's attitude, governments around the world of doing whatever it takes over the last nine months to get their respective economies going, that attitude's not going away. And we saw the RBA announce their $100 billion QE program here domestically only a few weeks ago, and they said they've got more to come after that if necessary. Um, JobKeeper winds down into the new year, as we know, just the ability to take $10,000 out of your super finishes on the 31st of December. So um, when you take a step back and look at that, that's definitely, as those stimulus packages roll off, um, that could have a slightly negative impact on the economy. When we, take, when we look at it, um, the savings rate, which has tracked on average around 2 to 5% uh, over the last 10 years, it's back up to 20%, which means that as consumer sentiment continues to improve, which it is at the moment, it's the highest level since 2014, that $100 billion can be released back into the local economy. Um, look at international travel. Australians spend $60 billion a year travelling overseas, and so we haven't been able to do that, and hopefully we can start doing that over the next 12 to 18 months as the COVID-19 vaccine gets fully rolled out. So the other point about this was the enormous reaction of the market. As soon as, say, for example, uh, the Pfizer, then the Moderna, and ultimately the results of the AstraZeneca, uh, the Oxford University uh, vaccines were announced and there was a massive flick in the market back to what you'd call some of uh, the more cyclical stocks. So you had the transport stocks, you had the airlines, you had uh, media companies, all these suddenly flicked back almost in a heartbeat. Just ex- again, explain the logic. Is it because people think we're going back to a new normal because there is a, a vaccine on the horizon? For the first six to nine months coming out of this pandemic from an equity market standpoint, there was it was very, very hard to know whether there'd be a vaccine or not. There'd been never been a vaccine for a coronavirus in, in, in history. So there was still a lot of uncertainty around that. So people were happy to buy the stay-at-home companies, as we call them, So that particularly the tech companies. So they've been, the tech sector has been the one sector that's led us out into this current bull market since the March lows on the 23rd of March. And what you saw on the day uh, just a few weeks ago where Pfizer were the first to go in terms of announcing their successful vaccine was a huge rotation, as you say, Ross, from growth to value. Uh, you saw an enormous switch out of that tech sector, um, which has you know, had an extraordinary run over the last um, six months because companies like Temple and Webster and Kogan are up five to tenfold off their lows, if not more. Um, so you're starting to see that unwind, and we think that trend will continue in the new year as people... Um, buy those more domestic cyclical companies. The banks are now back almost where they were pre-COVID. Um, you know, the media sector is certainly one that's um, very popular at the moment with um, anecdotal evidence speaking to media buyers that this current quarter for media could be the strongest quarter we've seen for many, many years as that pent-up demand is there from companies that cancelled marketing spend earlier in the year. So 
Um, there's been a large rotation in the market in the last three weeks in particular, Ross, and we expect that will continue into the new year as this bull market progresses and the leadership changes from the tech sector more into the domestic cyclicals and the banks. And there's a second aspect of this is many of those stocks which were yield-based, um, and I'm thinking here of the, the likes of the Telstras and maybe even Transurban and so forth, those stocks have become increasingly attractive simply because interest rates are just about zero in people's bank and savings accounts and term deposits. And so as a result, they're now looking and are prepared to take some risk to earn a higher return from a dividend on their uh, on their investments. Yes, and I think that will be a trend we see for the next three to five years in terms of that chase for yield with interest rates at zero for quite a long time. Um, you know, rolling a term deposit at half a percent return per annum isn't attractive to people. Um, so what you'll see is, in our opinion, post the GFC, we had that enormous hunt for yield where rates came down from 7 to around 2%. Um, at the time, and companies like Telstra um, did well through that period. So we, we expect that chase for yield will, will continue and, and really gather momentum over the next 12 to 18 months. Companies like Sydney Airport, Transurban, just to name a few, as you said, um, are certainly ones that are well positioned in that regard, um, you know, given it's very, very hard for retirees out in Australia to, to, generate, a, to generate a low risk return. So it's still, there's one aspect of this. Around the world right now, there are hundreds of thousands of cases in the United States, in Europe, are being announced pretty much every week um, of coronavirus. And yes, potentially there is a vaccine coming. But the economic damage that's being done to these major economies must have some sort of reverberation around the world. And yet it seems as though investors in the equity markets are looking straight through that and are looking to the other side. How do you explain that? Because there certainly will be some economic speed bumps. Or is it simply that the governments are going to announce the bad set of numbers, but that's not reflected in what the companies do? The expectation is there in terms of the economic... uh um, outlook and you know particularly the fiscal positions of various countries to be incredibly you know bad and be, that's well and truly known and priced into the market. I think over the last nine months you've seen one of the worst or the sharpest economic corrections in history. So I think over the next twelve to eighteen months you're going to see one of the biggest booms in history as we come out of it. We've already started. Um, you'll see GDP record GDP figures. You'll see unemployment rates come back down to five to six percent here in Australia. Um, as people, as the economy continues to reopen, so I think it's um, um, it is a very well known fact that certainly the damage from this um, pandemic will be with us for many, many years, maybe decades, in terms of um, government's ability to to pay off that debt um, longer term. And so you've said that as an investment firm, 1851 Capital right now is as bullish as you and it has been for the past 10 years. So as you see out into the future, the next three to five years, which is really where the Reserve Bank is saying these rates will be at zero, what style of stocks you're looking at at the moment that you think can really longer term give the benefit to the fund and to the investors? Yeah, sure. So it's on a stock by stock basis, Ross. But I mean, the media sector is one that I think looks quite attractive at the moment. Um, the mining services sector is another one that we've been wading into over the last few months. Attractive valuations on single-digit PEs have generally been left behind in this rally and commodity price support is there in record price of iron ore, coal's coming off its lows. Um, so we'd expect um, you know, oil will continue to rise as the economy, global economy continues to recover. So that's one. There are a couple of sectors that we think look quite interesting um, over the next couple of years. Um, and then moving to the yeah, the travel and hospitality sectors as well. Um, companies like Event Entertainment, only event cinemas and hotel chains around the country um, have obviously been well and truly um, had a bad period and been one of the most 
the worst hit through this pandemic, um, still trading well below its $14 share price highs uh, pre-COVID, trading at $11 a share today with $11.50 of asset backing on the balance sheet. They own a lot of, a lot of land and property and buildings um, around the country. So uh, we think there's companies like that, um, in addition to corporate travel management, which is a highly leveraged stock to um, you know, get me up on the borders over the next couple of years in terms of people getting back to normal and travelling again. Just a final one for you. Given the fact that you're hunting through the stocks here in Australia for that value, looking for the, the logic to say you should buy, is it becoming increasingly difficult with these recent spikes in, in prices? Is it harder to find the valuations now, the, uh, the actual value in the market? Uh, it's becoming harder, Ross, but um, we've never seen so many opportunities like we are seeing at the moment, um, and we're struggling to fit all our best ideas in the portfolio, which is a good problem to have and a feeling that we haven't had since mid of 2009. So um, it is there are still a raft of opportunities out there at the moment. Um, we think that the earnings growth you see over the next 12 to 18 months will be a lot higher than what market participants are expecting, and that will certainly see, in our opinion, in the share market you know, break through its pre-COVID highs of 7,200 and, and go well beyond that over the next 12 months. There you go. The, oh, hang on, Chris, two seconds. There you go. I'll pick it up there. There you go. Chris Stott is the Chief Investment Officer and the founder of 1851 Capital. And you can hear, as bullish as he's been about this market, as he has seen for the past 10 years. And Chris, as always, I appreciate your time. Great to be with you, Ross. Thanks for taking the time to listen. You can give us your feedback via social media, Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn, or through your podcast app on Apple, Google, Spotify or Amazon. This has been a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Money Minutes.